welcome to the Actually Autistic Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Onstad, and today I'm going to talk about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, or POTS. Yesterday and today's episodes both address medical conditions, and so I'm being careful to quote from reputable sources when I define those conditions here. This excerpt of a description of POTS comes from the mayoclinic.org, M-A-Y-O-C-L-I-N-I-C dot O-R-G, in a blog post called EDS and POTS. If you missed my discussion on EDS or Ehlers-Danlos yesterday, you might want to go back and have a listen. Begin quote. What are POTS and dysautonomia? What about orthostatic intolerance? When discussing dysautonomia, what we are usually referring to are POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and orthostatic intolerance. Dysautonomia is an umbrella term that refers to dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system. To understand dysautonomia, it is important to understand what the autonomic nervous system, or ANS, does. Simply stated, the ANS is the part of the nervous system that does all the automatic things throughout the day that we do not think about, or things that are involuntary. It is like a thermostat that regulates various bodily functions in response to changes in the body and the environment. These include regulation of blood pressure when you stand up, heart rate when you try to run, sweating when you step outside in the heat, movement of food through the bowels after you eat, etc. The ANS communicates through chemical messengers, the most common of which is the stress hormone adrenaline. In patients with dysautonomia, the normal reflexes of the ANS are thrown off balance. The most common form of dysautonomia is called orthostatic intolerance, in which patients have difficulty tolerating the upright position. Common symptoms are dizziness, palpitations, and exercise intolerance. Symptoms are typically brought on by the upright position and relieved when laying down. Other symptoms that may or may not be related to upright posture can include, but not limited to, shortness of breath, chest pain, chronic fatigue, generalized weakness, heat intolerance, headaches, brain fog, muscle and joint pain, nausea, abdominal pain, and abnormal sweating. POTS describes a subset of patients with orthostatic intolerance. In addition to the above-mentioned symptoms, these patients typically have an excess of elevation in heart rate when in the upright position. Both orthostatic intolerance and POTS are dysautonomias that are generally managed in a similar way. End quote. Now, I want to mention here that there are a lot of kind of, I don't know, woo-woo therapies for the autonomic nervous system that uh, they just, they don't have any real track record and they may work for some people but it's also really important to realize that things like POTS, orthostatic intolerance, that sometimes it just resolves itself for no obvious reason. Like some, sometimes the autonomic nervous system just kicks back into gear and this has happened to me multiple times in my life. So A lot of times, whatever people were doing at the time when they recovered their autonomic nervous system, they think that that's the thing that fixed them. And 
if there really was something that fixed everyone that you could find everywhere on the internet, believe me, <laughs> the word would be out there. So don't spend any money on this kind of stuff, okay? I am going to talk about diet and lifestyle, things that can affect these symptoms in tomorrow's episode. So don't run out there and buy some something claiming to cure your autonomic nervous system. Ugh. So that description from the Mayo Clinic gives the basic idea of what POTS and orthostatic intolerance are. But how does it feel if you have it? Well, obviously everyone is different, but even so, most people experience it in a very similar way. They get dizzy standing up, and if they are vertical for too long, then they can feel lightheaded and disoriented. Their feet can be puffy. And obviously, you can have the other symptoms that they mentioned too. Heat intolerance, headaches, brain fog, uh, nausea. I've had all those fun things. POTS is easy to diagnose and can be treated but not cured. If it's an orthostatic intolerance related to low blood pressure, then many people have found it helpful to drink lots of water, eat salt, and take electrolytes. I have found doing those things somewhat useful. They certainly haven't made it worse, and I like eating salty things and drinking lots of water anyways. But there are other treatments, and obviously you need to find out what will help you personally. But unfortunately, it is difficult to find a healthcare provider who knows anything about it. However, for better or worse, awareness of POTS is increasing at a rapid pace because it is a common symptom of long COVID. My main treatment for orthostatic intolerance is to lie down. I am fortunate that I can walk around and still do basic self-care most of the time, but I make sure to lie down in between tasks. Even sitting up for long periods of time is risky and can lead to post-exertional malaise, or PEM, which is a fancy term for, I did too much 48 hours ago or 12 hours ago or whatever it was, and now I can't do anything. This is why I do all of my writing and podcasting from bed. PEM, post-exertional malaise, is a major indicator of myelagic encephalitis, or chronic fatigue syndrome. But what does this have to do with autistic burnout? Well, the symptoms of autistic burnout are, for the most part, identical to the symptoms of chronic fatigue. And since there are links between chronic fatigue, POTS, hypermobility, and autism, that's hardly surprising. And to be clear, there are lots of holistic people who have chronic fatigue, but my personal opinion is that autistic burnout is most likely myelagic encephalitis as it affects autistics. Autistics dealing with burnout, Ehlers-Danlos, etc. have increased sensory sensitivity and can be equally exhausted by social activity as physical activity. So I suspect that those are bigger issues for autistics than holistics with POTS and chronic fatigue. But that impression is wholly anecdotal. The only thing that I can state for sure is that more research needs to be done, and it's important not to confuse triggers, such as stresses around social masking, for instance, for what causes the underlying condition. There is much more to be said about the care and feeding of those of us suffering from myelagic encephalitis or chronic fatigue or autistic burnout, 
and I will be covering that in tomorrow's episode. Now here's your comforting words of the day. You know, it can be so frustrating dealing with autistic burnout. It can just make you feel like such a failure. And it's incredibly frustrating because you want to be doing things. You know, for some reason, people who are able to get out and do things in the world, for some reason, they think it's fun lying in bed all day. I don't know why they think that. If they thought that, why would they do all those other things that they want to do, right? I mean, people who really want to lie in bed all the time, you don't need to be sick to do that. You can still lie in bed whenever you're not doing something else. And yet, people like to go out. They like to go out to eat. They like to go dancing. They like to go for walks. Ugh. So frustrating. <laughs> this isn't very comforting, is it? I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Rest is a good thing. Whenever you have the urge to rest, what that means is that you are taking care of your body. If we thought of rest as nourishment, if we thought of rest as, as eating rest instead of taking rest, as we're consuming rest and we need to consume a certain amount of rest in order to be healthy, just like we need to consume a certain amount of food in order to stay healthy. And obviously it helps if it's good food, if it's good rest, but please, rest. It's good for you. And while you're resting, take what enjoyment that you can. Sometimes you can need to rest and yet not be able to sleep. And I want to say that I think, especially for autistic people, just lying with your eyes closed in a darkened room helps. It, You know, we already know that we're living in this intense world, right? We already know that many of us have much higher sensory input than holistics experience. We already know that many of us are hypermobile, and so even just standing can make us tired. So it's a really a good idea to sort of hit that reset button, lie alone in a darkened room for five, ten minutes, in between when you're going from one activity to another. Might help you keep your batteries charged longer. Now, here is your joke of the day. To be clear, I do not write these. I steal them fair and square from anonymous lists on the internet. It was an emotional wedding. Even the cake was in tears. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with me on this mini episode of the Actually Autistic Podcast. If you are interested in hearing more of my content and like Shakespeare, then you are in luck. I have two podcasts, one called There Will Be Body and another one called The Twelfth Night Podcast by Rose City Shakespeare. 
I wrote a book called A Midsummer Night's Dream Illustrated Handbook and Encyclopedia, and I'm also on a role-playing game podcast called Shattered Worlds RPG. I'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for being Actually Autistic. Thank you.